You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. on the Jabberjaw Network. Welcome to our second mini episode. Uh, the point of these episodes is to kind of delve into basically education and specifics on interning. Um, almost all this content is pulled from my book, Interning 101. Uh, but when we're interviewing guests, I want to hear from the guests and you know, not just myself. So I, I want to make sure that this knowledge gets shared with you guys. So if there's questions or specific topics you want me to cover, just hit me up on Twitter at interning101 or at emwizzle. So I'm originally a kid from a village in Wisconsin called Heartland, where there's basically no music industry. Technically, my parents are friends with the owners of Heartland Music, and they go to NAM every year. Um, But really, I knew no one in my field of choice when I was starting out. My favorite band's The Beatles, but my favorite modern band is Oasis. And I was on an an Oasis forum in the late 90s, and someone said, you know, sorry, I haven't been around. She used to post a lot of great photos and stuff uh, because I've been applying for college, and I got into Northeastern University's music industry program. I had never heard of that major. I had never heard of that school, but I immediately knew that was going to be my major. So of course I did research. And at the time I was able to identify four music business programs in the country. Now there's a lot, Um, but in the late nineties, there was Northeastern's, there was New York universities, there was uh, Middle Tennessee State University and Murfreesboro, Tennessee, and the University of Miami, which I don't know if this has changed, but I know Miami's program was very focused on recording. I'm from a middle-class family. You know, we'll talk about money and internships for sure throughout this podcast and in a mini episode. Um, But looking at those options, I had to figure out a way to pay for school. Um, I've been a swimmer my whole life. I was a good swimmer. I had teammates who were better swimmers. And I worked really, really hard to get a scholarship to Northeastern University. I guess I'd point out that I had teammates who are better swimmers because getting any sort of NCAA scholarship is a big deal for sure. But, you know, don't feel like you need to be Michael Phelps. Like I worked my butt off in the pool with the goal of going to Northeastern and studying music industry. That that kept me motivated. Um, Again, we'll talk about money and internships and, and school and all that because there's definitely a variety of options uh, to help support you with your goals. So I ended up going to Northeastern because really quick, I wasn't fast enough for the University of Miami. I was, no offense, because I know it's a great program, too fast for NYU. And they were also Division Three, which means there aren't athletic scholarships. And to my knowledge, there was no swim team at uh, Middle Tennessee State University. So Northeastern was perfect, Division One school, um, perfect for my kind of ability level in swimming, was able to score money. And really, like my extra motivation beyond studying uh, music business was uh, Boston's a great concert market, especially for British bands. Um, a lot of time, I loved Britpop. I still love Britpop growing up. And a lot of times bands would come over and play like five or 10 cities and they would always skip Milwaukee. Um, that has changed due to the Paps Theater Group and Doug Johnson and a lot of great promoters. 
um, that now work in Milwaukee. But um, yeah, without getting into it, I'm going to mess up these numbers. Uh, Matt Berenger, who books the Paps Theater in Milwaukee, said they've like tripled the amount of shows that they do there um, from the time I was growing up. So anyway, that was not the case in Boston. There was a million shows every night. So that's where I decided to go to school. Uh, real quick on that, most people had family members at like college orientation, but I'm nerdy enough that there was like a special music industry student session welcoming thing. And I brought my mom, not because I was like insecure or anything. And that's fine if you are, but I just figured my parents are here from 1500 miles away or whatever. Like I want her to see what I'm doing. And I don't know where my dad and brother were. They were probably off doing something else. So Brought my mom uh, amongst these other incoming freshmen, and they had us go around and say everything that we've done in music so far. And my mom can attest to this. We still bring it up once in a while, I swear. And this was like 2000, I guess, um, which I point that out because what I'm about to say, I guess, would be more common. But anyway, every kid was like... I have my own label, I have my own studio, I have my own management company, I swear. And they get to me, 17-year-old me, and I'm like, I took piano lessons as a kid. Um, I've gone on to be considered one of the most distinguished alum from Northeastern's music industry program. So I highlight that to point out, if you are in a similar situation and you're a freshman or whatever, and it seems like everybody else has all this experience, know that, yeah, know that you'll be fine. All right, so let's dig in. So. Uh, something that was super appealing about Northeastern is they are very big on their, quote, co-op program, which is, yeah, short for cooperative education. They were definitely really ahead of their time as far as that goes, because universities are realizing how important internships and real work experience is to the educational process. Uh, but Northeastern pushed it hard very early on. And I, you know, I have nothing to gain by saying this. I, I mean, I wrote a book about it. But I can't say more about the concept because no matter what you are studying, if you can get real world experience, it's huge. Um, there were women on my swim team who were nursing majors helping to deliver babies on their co-op, you know, while they were in college. Um, you know, engineering students getting, getting real experience out in the field. And for me, I couldn't believe I was like going to be told or get credit or whatever to intern at a record company, which is the 90s kid version of what, you know, if you don't know anything about the music industry, that's that's where you think you want to work. I actually, the definition of label has changed. I was about to say I've never worked at a label, but um, I did one internship in an indie label, which we'll talk about. Uh, I've founded labels. I helped Taurus release a track who we manage. Is that a label? Um, but that's probably a conversation for another time. So I couldn't believe that I, like I said, part of my educational process was to go work in the music industry. So I was super excited to be, begin co-oping. Um, my first co-op was in the spring of my sophomore year. The school had a database. You know, I applied, I got two interviews and I only remembered this other one like relatively recently, but I should slow down and point it out if you're in this situation. You know, went to an interview uh, with like a jazz agency or something and they didn't even know they were interviewing me. I point out that I forgot about that experience because that can be like really demoralizing when it happens. That also happened to me when I showed up at MTV in London to start my first internship. They totally forgot I was starting. But 
all that stuff is really like a blip on the radar. So don't sweat it. Um, again, way better to figure that out when you're 19 than when you're at entry level. Um, I also did uh, an interview at Powderfinger Promotions, uh, which does college radio and PR. Uh, I was really nervous for the interview. A woman named Winifred Chain was interviewing me. She was really cool. The office was really cool. Uh, I think a great question to ask in interviews is uh, where the person is from, um, because it turned out Winifred was from Illinois, Northern Illinois, uh, which is quite close to um, the suburb of Milwaukee that I'm from. So I kind of felt a little bit more at ease that she was also from the Midwest. And yeah, and, and in hindsight, it's like, I, you know, being nervous for an interview is understandable, but it was also ridiculous because Wynne is only a couple years older than me. She had just graduated from Emerson herself. So a lot of times the people interviewing you only, you know, are only a few years older than you and, and just, you know, we're in your position. So, um, and, and long story short, Winifred is one of my best girlfriends to this day. She's my neighbor here in Williamsburg in Brooklyn. Um, not that that's going to happen with every person that interviews you. I got my internship at Powderfinger, uh, and within a few weeks, Winifred said I was the best intern they'd ever had. I was completely shocked by that because all I did was what she asked me to do. Um, but backing up on those tasks a little bit, you know, we have, I can't recall if it's a chapter or a section in the book called Don't Fear the Phone. And again, this was like early 2000s if you can imagine it, before texting and all that, we did have email. Uh, one of my tasks was to call college music directors and ask if they'd received our package, if they had, if they'd checked out the music, kind of point them to, you know, basically the singles and the tracks we were pushing. And I admitted to Winifred one day that I was nervous to make those calls. And she very kindly laughed um, because she pointed out to me that I was calling college music directors and they were my peers. There was nothing to fear about that. And now I'm on the phone all the time. So again, the earlier you can kind of get over those fears and start to develop those skills, it's not like you're doing conference calls in college. I mean, maybe you are to organize a class project, but you're probably getting together. So that's another skill that colleges could try, but in reality, you know, it's probably going to happen a little bit more in the interning space. Another thing I did was I said yes to every show Winifred invited me to. And that might sound like a no brainer, like who doesn't want to go to free concerts, but a lot of times it was artists or genres that I wasn't necessarily into. And again, I used to be kind of intimidated by venues and I swear, I mean, not really, but I mean, by the end of college, I knew everyone in the Boston music scene, but by the end of my internship at Powderfinger, everybody knows Winifred, everybody loves her. I mean, she was so great, introduced me to tons of people at shows and yeah, so it doesn't matter what show you're going to check out. Go, go, say yes to everything, you know, go to everything you're invited to. Winifred and the owner of the company, Dave Avery, um, wanted me to stay for the summer because it was the springtime. And I did something really smart in hindsight. I didn't realize it was, a, it was smart at the time. My thinking at the time was, I don't know what I want to do within the music industry. So why don't I, you know, do as many internships as possible until I figure out what I want to do? Um, that was something that used to stress me out that older, cooler, wiser heads would say, like, you're fine. But in hindsight, that's a really smart strategy because I'm expanding my network that much further, ex expanding my skill set. I don't remember how I got the internship at the indie label that may have been through the school's database again. But I also had a classmate who was interning at WBCN, which was our 
you know, very sadly, because it's a legendary station, uh, rest in peace, was a big alternative rock station in Boston and did a ton of things on the national level. You know, they produced their own festival, um, was really involved on the local level. Uh, I could talk about that all day, but I won't. Um, so I thought that was really cool. And my friend passed along my resume, I got an interview. And then I was then I had the good problem of getting two internship offers, one at WBCN, one at an indie label in Boston. And a solution to that, if if you are able to do this is to intern two places at once. Because by doing that, I was doubling, you know, my network, my skill set, all of those things. And I was also getting up at 5 a.m., going to train at Harvard in the morning, going to my internship all day, and then going to train again in the afternoon. So it was a grind, but I got through it. And the legendary Oedipus at WBCN would yell at me and say, you should be trying to make the Olympics. You could be the Dresden Dolls merch girl anytime. And um, I wasn't going to make the Olympics. So anyway, uh, while at the indie label, uh, my interview was great but it just felt like I couldn't do anything right for the boss in hindsight. No, even at the time I thought she doesn't seem like the happiest person in life. So I'm going to try not to take this personally, which is really good advice at every stage of life. If, if a boss or anyone at work is short with you or seems frustrated, there's like a 98% chance it has nothing to do with you. It has to do with you know, their workload, their stress levels, their family life, you don't know what's going on with them. So try not to take stuff personally. Um, But at the label, they didn't listen to music, there wasn't much going on. And then meanwhile, the other few days a week when I was at the at WBCN at the alternative radio station, like, there was great artists coming in, everybody really liked me, there was always a lot of energy, excitement. I didn't have a lot to do at WBCN, which we'll talk about that in another mini episode. Um, what to do when there's nothing to do, because there's a lot you can glean. But of course, the thought crossed my mind, which I know happens to a lot of uh, students, should I quit this internship? Should I quit the indie label? Because I just, I didn't see what I was getting out of it at the time. And that's where I really encourage you to think bigger because, and by the way, it also teaches you how not, how it's cliche, but like treat people how you want to be treated, you know? So I try to treat interns the way I wanted to be treated when I was an intern. Anyway, one day a musician came into the indie label who also worked part-time at the label. And he asked me to put together some physical press kits. And I did. And he was happy with my work. And he said, my band's playing the Paradise this weekend. Um, Would you be available to do merch? And it was like a would I moment. Like it seems ridiculous to me now, but I always wondered how people um, got those jobs behind the merch table. So Uh, The Paradise was one of my favorite venues. I probably would have gone to that show anyway. Um, So went to the show. Um, Ed paid me 50 bucks. That was my first paid gig in music. And his band actually took me on tour a little bit um, to some regional gigs, which was super fun. Fast forward to when I started interning with the Dresden Dolls not long after, my first email was to this musician because I had told the Dresden Dolls, which we'll get into, that I don't know what I'm doing, but I can at least sell your merch. Um, And so when they said yes to that, my first email was to this musician from the indie label because he was like the tour manager business guy for his band. And I said, okay, I got this tour managing gig. What do I do? And he sent me a list of 10, quote, advanced questions. I probably had it at the front of my physical tour managing binder for years before things went digital. 
And advancing a show is at the club level, reaching out. Um, the industry standard is two weeks before um, because people can be flaky. I, I used to like to do three weeks before. Um, reaching out with a variety of questions. Um, what time is loaded? What time is sound check? Um, what time are doors? What time is our set? What is our set length? Is there a curfew? Uh, a good question is where do we park? What is our day of show? Who is our day of show contact? What is their mobile number? Even what is your Wi-Fi password? So all that can be in the tour book and, and ready to go. Um, as the Dresden dolls got bigger, um, our advanced questions probably got up to like 40 or 50 questions. And it's even bigger at the arena level. Um, but this, this musician from the indie label that I almost quit taught me how to advance a show and ended up being a key mentor for me. So I really, unless something sketchy is happening, like contact me, contact your school, just contact someone if something sketchy is happening. But unless something sketchy is happening, I do encourage you to stick it out because you really don't know um, the opportunities that it, it'll bring. And, you know, again, interning is all about figuring out what you don't want to do just as much as what you do want to do. Those were my first three internships. Um, after that, I, I, again, was very obsessed with live music. So through a friend, I think, through another um, classmate, because again, you're building your network with your peers while you're in college. Um, I got, a, got an internship um, the following January. I think that's where it's relevant that Northeastern was on quarters. Um, time. I mean, it was originally the Don Law Company, now it's Live Nation New England. So our big you know, concert promoter which I thought would have been like a dream. And it's not that the people weren't nice or anything, but it was super corporate, which was not really for me. So I learned a lot. They even had me write press releases and stuff. Um, but I did score um, an awesome ticket ripping job for two of my favorite venues in Boston that came through the now Live, Live Nation New England office. So got paid really well to run the guest list and do tickets um, at some of my favorite clubs and you know, running guest lists, another great way to learn industry names, you know, have them get to know your face. You don't want to, you don't want to be too obnoxious, but you could be like, oh, you know, studying music business, or I, you know, I interned at Powderfinger and I, and I know you work with them or it's just, it's all about creating those genuine relationships. Um, the summer after that, I really wanted to go to New York. I guess it just shows kind of like what a fan I am. Cause these are definitely TV internships, but I applied at SNL, The Late Show with David Letterman, um, and at MTV. Definitely never heard back from SNL or, or the Letterman team. Um, did hear back from Viacom. So took the $10 Chinatown bus from Boston, Boston to New York in one day, so I didn't have to stay overnight, and got an internship at VH1 Classic. Now, at the time, I was bummed that I wasn't at like MTV2, who was working on Radiohead shows. Um, and not that this is why you should get into entertainment or music, but you know, at VH1 Classic, I got to meet my first Beatle, I met Roger Daltrey, um, and really made some, some strong professional connections that still help to this day. Beyond that, I got to know New York. I got to know the subway system. I just think like if you have the opportunity to intern in, in another city, uh, there's so much to glean, again, beyond just like the tasks that you're given. Um, we'll talk a little bit more about this in the mini episode on money, but I found dorms in New York at, um, I believe, Mount Mary College uh, in Midtown that would only rent out the dorms to interns. So I shared literally a bedroom with two other girls and two other young women, and my rent was cheaper there than it was in the Back Bay of Boston where my university is. So 
um, just research like crazy and and see what you come up with because that was that was a good situation for me. And I was like networking with other people in the building. And it also happened to be walking distance from my internship. So that helped save money as well. That fall, when I went back to Boston, um, I saw the Dresden Dolls play at the Boston Music Awards. Winifred also was an editor at Scope Magazine and said, if you cover this, you'll get free tickets. So I said, yeah, of course. And I was just blown away by their performance. Um, About a month later, they played uh, at Northeastern at our little club after hours, which I think still pays pretty well. And that's why good bands play it. And I introduced myself to Amanda Palmer after the show saying, you know, I'm a music business major. I intern at WBCN. I write for Scope Magazine. Let me know if you ever need help with anything. And by the way, I was totally nervous to ask that. And Amanda's response was, can you come over tomorrow? And it turned out Amanda lived in this amazing artist commune uh, that was just like a 10 minute walk from campus. So every day after swim practice, I would go over there and help with anything and, and everything I could. Um, one of my first tasks, cause you know, I, I really want, when you land an internship, like research it like crazy, the artists on the roster, or in this case, I mean, the Dresden Dolls had one album, so it wasn't that hard to know their album, but you know, I went to every page on their website. I learned everything I could. So educate yourself as much as possible before, after you get the internship and before you start, but go in as a blank slate as far as your tasks go, because you don't, you have no idea what's going to be thrown at you. And it's probably not what you expect. So the first thing Amanda wanted help with is the Dresden Dolls were a local Boston band, but they were definitely on the rise. So at that time, like maybe they had an attorney, maybe they had a merch company, but there was no manager, there was no booking agent, there was no record company, there was no publicist, there was... So Amanda and Brian, uh, and uh, we have a two-part episode with Brian Viglione, but Amanda and Brian were running their own band. Amanda has a very aggressive keyboard style of play, and she was developing tendonitis in her forearms and wrists. So the first task she asked me to do was to take dictation. Because again, she was booking the band, she was responding to journalists, she was responding to fans, even doing e-blasts to fans in 2003, which was like unheard of then. Um, So of course I said yes, and no one is going to college. I mean, maybe some people are, uh, if you're a stenographer or something, but no one is going to college usually to take dictation. And in hindsight, there's no better way to get inside your boss's head, a band's head, get inside the business, a band is a business, than taking dictation. I still sometimes know Amanda's brain better than she does. And I think it all stems from from that first task. So we should probably uh, wrap up this mini episode and leave it as a cliffhanger to talk more about how the Dresden Dolls and I really grew up professionally together and also uh, talk about my internship at MTV in London, which I got through one of my bosses um, at VH1 in New York. Again, when I was like, oh, I want to be at MTV too. So you just never know where these opportunities are going to lead. So that's um, the first mini episode on my background. We'll do the next one, like I said, delving a little bit more into my time with the Dresden Dolls, as well as my experiences interning abroad. Thanks so much for listening. This is Emily White and the Interning 101 podcast on the Jabberjaw Network. Thanks so much for listening to the Interning 101 podcast. I'm your host, Emily White. You can follow us anytime over on Twitter at Interning101, as well as on our website, interning101.com. 
I'm on Twitter at at EMWizzle. Hit us up anytime if you have questions, comments, guest suggestions, or just want to get something off your mind. Thanks again, and we'll talk to you next time. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network.